0: So I'm going to be speaking from Philippians chapter 2, from verses 19 to 25, it's a very small passage, six to seven verses, I'm going to read that out, and then I'm going to share a bit about what fellow workers actually mean. Uh, so I'm going to pick from a couple of passages in the Bible, um, and, then, and then I've got three characteristics that I really want to share, uh, three characteristics of a fellow worker, and, and then we can we can go from there, yeah? So. I'm going to read from 19 to 25. It's from the ESV version. I'm going to read this out to you. Verse 19 I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy, Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know. Timothy's proven birth, how as a son with a father, he has served me with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and my minister, and minister to my need." As a side note, before I go into fellow workers, I, I couldn't fail to notice there were two things that just stood out for me in, this, in these verses. These are seven verses. And Paul has, Paul has used the word twice. And it says, I hope in the Lord. In verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus In verse 23, it says, I hope, and 24, it says, I trust in the Lord. It's just seven verses, and he uses the word, I hope, and I trust that I would either send Timothy or that I would come there in person myself uh, to meet. And this this is a letter to Philippi, the church there. It's interesting because Paul is using the word, I hope in the Lord, I will get Timothy there. I trust in the Lord that I will be there. It's, it's, it's as if he's planning, but then he's trusting in God's plan that if it is within the plan of God, then I hope that will come into fruition. Quite often we plan and we say, this is how I want to do it, and this is how I'd like to see that happen. And if it doesn't happen that way, I'm stuffed. I don't like that. But, but that's not what Paul is actually saying. And and I feel like God, you know, expects us to just unplug off the confidence in facts, because we can get to somewhere, and we can do it, to actually trusting in God. Um, so that was just a side note, by the way. Um, but I was in, but I was actually, you know, there, there was a point. I, we we always, myself and my wife, we always pray before we actually have lunch or dinner or before we have food. And, and there was this point when I was closing my eyes and I was praying, God, we thank you for this food and uh, we're gonna have no food. I just, I just went on with the, you know, the, the rhythm. Sometimes we can do that. Uh, and then God said, well, hang on, but what are you actually praying for? Oh, just the food. Uh, yeah, but what are you praying for? The food so we can eat. <laughs> and I felt like God was actually saying, but do you recognize who's providing you this food? Is it your wealth? Is it from your resources or do you recognize it? That was, that was a moment when I just, I just had that sinking feeling, I just had that feeling, oh, 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 that's what I'm praying for. I'm actually thanking God for the provision that I have this food. So it's actually taking my trust of my wealth to my trust in God, saying, God, you're providing this for me. And it's the simple things in life sometimes we take granted and I feel like God's saying, you need to just unplug your confidence of facts. And plugging back into God. Anyway, that was a side note. But um, we were so so who are fellow workers. And I was reading the in Romans 16, uh, and if you go to the passage, it talks about fair few people who are fellow workers. It just lists a whole load of names, um, and you can read it if you like. But there are just so many names in there. But there are. There are three verses here that actually spells out these are the few people that Paul's specifically calling out as a fellow worker. So I looked at all of them and I went and I saw the name Prisca and Aquila and I went, oh, that would be interesting, I want to look up them. Apparently they've been mentioned about six times in the whole of the Bible. And I think it was across four different books, the same name has been mentioned. They also got a very special mention in the last letter that Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, which is believed to be 2 Timothy. It's interesting because Paul, it somehow stayed in the mind of Paul to always write about them or greet them. And it just and I just it just struck me why? Why 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 this couple? What did this couple do? Um, so if you read a bit more of the background in, in Acts, you, you, on, you know that Prisca and Aquila, they both were refugees. They, they ran from the Roman op, uh, oppression, and they moved across to Corinth. And then Paul came across to stay with them. So just bear with me. I'm just, I'm just talking to fellow workers here before I move on to the, the main topic, yeah? Um, they, and just, just to think about this, so they're refugees. And Paul has come across to save them, stay with them. They they're both the same, they, they've got the same career. So they've got tent, they have tent makers and Paul was also tent makers. So they said, well, maybe we hang up with them. It's interesting because they, they, this couple, regardless of they being refugee, they were hospitable to Paul. They were willing to open the doors to Paul saying, come and stay with us and, and we can do tent, tent making together. They journeyed, this couple journeyed with Paul to Ephesus. You read this in Acts chapter 18, verse 18. They met, uh, they met the Apollos. So I don't know if you read in Acts um, 18, you also see that there was this Egyptian guy who was really, really well read in the Bible and actually spoke about God very, the Bible says, accurately. And then they met this couple, and this couple talked about God to them. And then, this, and then he started speaking very accurately about God. That's literally what the Bible says. Um, and it's interesting. They, they've had a massive impact. This couple had a massive impact on Apollos, on the things that Paul did. And, and interestingly, in, in verse 4 of, of chapter 16 Roman Romans, it says, who risked their necks for my life? I, I, I don't know what exactly went on, but it seemed like they just nothing Held them back from actually doing what God has called them to do. They were—they just seemed to be a couple on fire for God, and um, yeah, which was which is really, really cool to hear. And in Act in Acts Seventeen, you read about Jason who was in Thessalonica who who was who was dragged into the centre and was actually possibly beaten, um, and got mistreated, and then they had to. Pay a massive pledge because Paul was living with uh, Jason, etc. So, so you can read a lot about the fellow workers and what they've actually been up to. Um, if you go to the the next slide, in First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine says, "For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building." Now, to put in put into perspective, we read about Aquila, we read about Prisca, we read about or I told you about them. Uh, we we heard about Jason. We heard about fair few names been written, that we read in, in, in Romans 16. All of these are called fellow workers. But the Bible in 1 Corinthians actually calls us as fellow workers. Hopefully, that connects. Um, so so with, that, with all of that in mind, I'm going to talk about three characteristics about what fellow workers actually mean. What are they? Um, And and then we can can go from there. It's all from the passage that we just read earlier in Philippians chapter 2. The first characteristic that Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 talks about is a person who actually carries a genuine concern for others. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, for I have no one like him, this is Paul talking about Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul's If you just read that Romans 16, verse 4, he just lists a whole host of names about people who are fellow workers. And then in this verse, six years later, Paul's written this letter saying, actually, there's no one like Timothy. And I was just wondering, well, why why is that? And it's possibly, well, might be that Timothy was the closest to to, to Paul at that time of writing and and Paul was meeting Timothy, Timothy was meeting Paul's needs and i think there was also this very rare quality that Timothy actually had that made him stand out now for a second if you just you know if you just take a step back um and just think about Paul as a person i i mean if you read the bible about Paul he, he can seem like a pretty difficult person to deal with sometimes. It might just be me, but he's he's an incredible patient guy. In Acts, you know, you read Paul was sitting down with the Israel with with the Jewish people and actually talking to them about the Bible and why Jesus was the Messiah. He was quite patient. But then he was also very open and honest with his interaction. He didn't he didn't care to please many people sometimes. He would just say very open openly some stuff. In in Acts 17, Paul was called as an idol babbler. Um, he spoke against the culture at the time. In Acts 17, verse 22, he was actually saying, actually, folks, God does not live in a building. I'm sorry to say that. And back then, that was a religion. He spoke against the culture. And he was really open. and And, you know, he, he spoke against. He, he spoke about Peter when Peter was succumbing to the Jews. He's like, "What on earth are you doing, Paul, Peter?" And and he shook Peter. So, I don't think he was. He was, you know, if, if you were a friend of Paul, he, he and if you're not sticking out for the faith, he will just call you out, and he would be very clear. And and it probably wouldn't take too long for you to actually say, "You know what, I." I, I, I I don't want to work with Paul. He's he's too difficult. He's he's got his ways. He's got, but that's but he was he had a strong conviction for what he stood for, and he made that very clear. And um, and then you hear in in the same chapter in Acts, he you, you talks about Paul taking Timothy to get circumcised. Now Timothy was this, was in 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 another book. Paul is talking about Timothy being this timid guy, possibly shy, possibly soft. I don't know. He's a timid guy. Paul is taking him to get circumcised. He's an older guy now. He's not like eight months old or whatever, but he's, he's actually gone to get circumcised. And he's doing all of this. And yet, Timothy is called a trusted partner in Paul's eyes. Um, I feel like Timothy had this very rare quality of yielding and submitting to Paul and actually working together. Um, he seemed to have carried the same concern or the burden for the churches because you'd read about Paul actually saying, you know what, I'm going to send Timothy to, to fix some congregational problems in Corinth. He, he was sent to fix some some doctrinal issues in, in Ephesus. He was, he was sent to, uh, to Philippi. He was also talking about in the same chapter that he's going to send Timothy across to, to Philippi. And it's interesting because Paul trusts Timothy to fix difficult problems. If I were Timothy, I might just give up because Paul is this very difficult well, I say difficult but he's really he's a gracious man but he he can be he can come across quite you know he's this is the way of God and we got to believe it and then you have this timid guy Timothy who's who's a clash of cultures and then and then you have Timothy being well, not forced, but taken into getting circumcised and all of this. And then, then Timothy is being asked by Paul to say, you know what, you need to go to Corinth to to speak life into people. And there are some very difficult people, but I'm sure you'll do well, Timothy. And you can go to Ephesus as well, some very difficult people there, but I'm sure you'll do well. And if I were Timothy, I would just go hiding. I would not go anywhere, because those tasks are very difficult. People in those churches will just eat you up. But Timothy got along with Paul. He didn't say, oh, I, I can't get along with this Paul. He really got along with, with, with Paul. And, and I don't think he got shy of the task that Paul was asking him to do, because he carried that burden that he wants to speak life into the church. He really wants to do something. So I don't think he got shy by the task there. And in and in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance that race that is set before us. And, and I feel like Timothy didn't find, didn't, didn't look or take offense in things that Paul told, or didn't take offense in the, in the task that he was given, but he ran, he laid aside all of that, and he said, you know what, I want to speak life into people today. And that's my focus. It's not going to be, what, is, what am I going to be offended by? The second characteristic is that they, the fellow workers seek Christ's interest. Does this, does this make sense to anyone? Yeah. yeah, good. Okay, in Philippians chapter two, verse twenty-one, it says, "For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus." Have you have you noticed recently that there's just a lot of suffering around us? Or is it just me? We we were myself and my lovely wife. We were having lunch last Sunday, and then we were just talking about how there's, there's just so much suffering within, within, you know, within our homes, within our immediate family. And even some of us here at church, we just, we're just going through an amount of suffering. And, and the one conclusion I took away from that conversation was suffering is a co-partner in our lives. And it's not a destination for us to run away from or to park at. Suffering has an interesting impact on most of us, and we can either hide away with that suffering or we can endure and, and run for God. I'm reminded of a time in my life, and I may have shared this story before, but just bear with me if, if you've heard this before, um, I'd completed my master's, and this was oh, good good ten years back and and I was looking for a job and if most of you have been through this phase, I'm sure most of us will have been, you just get faced with a lot of rejection of rejection that is in the beginning, which is not fun and and I, and I had a lot of friends who were saying, oh, I got a job. I got my dream job. And I got that. And I've oh, got really good pay. And I'm meeting the other guy tomorrow. And I went, good for you. Not for me. I haven't landed on a job. And you know, a lot of the times when people come up to you and say, oh, what do you do for work? Um, I am looking for a job. And you know, it's just that difficult thing of, oh. And you get that pity of the person next to you saying, oh, poor you. Fine, we pray. Luck. and you know you know it's just it's just difficult to go through that moment and then there were a few months and I kept praying I, I can't remember of a time when I didn't pray and ask God God I need a work, I need a job you know I need a job you know I need a job I need a job and I kept on praying and I kept praying and but no job came up I kept getting rejection letters and and there was this point where I remember quite clearly, it was a Saturday evening. And I was going to bed. And I just kept crying and crying and crying. And I said, I'm going to give up. Because there was no point praying to you. Because I don't think you even exist. Because there's no point. You don't listen. You don't hear. You don't give me anything. There's no point. If you really existed, you would give something. Or at least you would open a door. You'd sort something out. And I just came to this point of just giving up, saying there's no point of praying. For what? And, and then I felt like God just spoke something. And this went on for a few weeks. And there was a Saturday evening that I cried. And then I felt like God was actually saying, I want you to go and find someone who's actually looking for a job and pray for them. And I went, I need to be comforted. Do you know that? I need to be comforted. And you're asking me to pray? It just, it, I kept it on the side. And then the next Sunday, I was just doing my usual thing. I was at church, and I was volunteering. And I, um, and I ended up meeting someone. And they said, oh, I'm actually looking for a job. You, you're looking for a job? OK, tell me a bit more. And then, and then I said, OK, can I just pray for you? I didn't tell them about I'm looking for a job or anything. I just carried on. and I just prayed for them. And interestingly, I, I met a few more people after that. And they were all looking for a job. And I just went on and prayed for them. And the weight just fell off my shoulders just immediately. I was no longer concerned for my job, my thing. My focus went on how can they get the job. I'm burdened that they need to get the job. They're kids crying for food, and they've got other stuff. And and I felt burdened, and I wanted to pray for them, and I prayed for them. And, and it was just interesting because my, it, it, and you know when that moment when, when God said, oh, go and pray for them, it was just like, I got reminded of that moment when, you know, when I'm a child and, and I got wounds, or I got, you know, there, there was a wound in my hand or my leg, and if my mum sees it, what she would do is she will go and get the little box where she leaves the spirit Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but she's going to clean my wound and she's going to use that spirit to clean it. Oh, and that was not pain. That's painful. That's one of the worst moments of my childhood, actually, when she takes that spirit out and wipes my wound. But that is the beginning of healing. That's the beginning of the healing process. It's not pretty. It does mean you're going to go through that pain a little bit, but hey, there's freedom on the other side. Um, And I just feel like sometimes we need to apply, I carry that bitterness in my heart against God because God was not listening to my prayers. And that was my version of the truth then. And I feel like sometimes we need to let the Holy Spirit be applied over our wounds, over our suffering, over whatever whatever you're going through, because that was my moment of suffering back then. I was suffering in silence. There was no one else to come and comfort me. But I let the Holy Spirit comfort me in those in those moments, and and I never thought that this verse existed in the before, but I've I've just read this yesterday, and I went, I, I don't know if they just ended up putting this verse yesterday in the Bible because because <laughs> I never read it this way. It said in Second Second Timothy chapter three verse twelve. I don't know if it's all in your Bibles as well. It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't say, yeah, you may be persecuted. Just wait, maybe. Maybe you'll be fine. It says you will be persecuted. There is no choice. Sorry. If if you're new (laughs) to Christian walk, I'm really sorry. You've just landed in a Sunday where you you just have to accept Christ, and you'll be persecuted for it. That's not a great offering, is it? But, and and today I just want to broaden the definition of the word persecution. Some of us actually think, actually if I'm chained in in a jail, that's persecution. That's, That's the big persecution. But I feel this, if there's anything, there is a ceiling limit on your faith today. If there's anything that is trying to curtail your faith. If there's anything that is trying to Blind in your faith, it might be. It might be a suffering. It might be. It might be something that you're carrying on for for a while. It might be anything. It might be a fear. It might be something that the devil is trying to haunt you of your past or whatever. Today, I just want to broaden that definition of persecution for a second and say, actually, you know what? You don't have to be in chains. It could just be that colleague at work taking up your time and without you knowing, it's actually. This, it could just be the devil that's trying to just break your faith down by bringing in different people at work, by bringing in different people around you. Trying to break that faith level down and bring bring that level down. So if you broaden that persecution, now you think you probably would realize, actually, yeah, I may be, I may be in the boat there. And the interesting thing of persecution is you can't run away from it, because the Bible says it. But it's about enduring and 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 freedom is when and there is there is freedom when you seek the benefit of others around you. The third and the final one is spreading the gospel. In Philippians chapter two, verse twenty-two it says, But you know of his proven Worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. Fellow workers are gospel spreaders, and that's what they are. And and I've read this, and I've mentioned this earlier. Timothy, nothing, nothing came in between Timothy and him spreading the gospel out to people. Nothing. He, it was not the the mountainous stars that stayed before him. It was not the person that he, he had to deal with. It was, he let all of those things aside and he ran to spread the gospel and he was unashamed. I remember of a time once I was, when I was, I was attending the Upper Room Academy uh, a couple of, I think a year back, and, and Andy came up to me asking, Andy Cooley came up to me and asked, um, so did you get an opportunity to spread the gospel? And I gave this very dreadful answer. I think I missed quite a lot of opportunities. Because that's the truth, because you just get loads of opportunities to actually speak the gospel. You don't have to go and take the Bible and bash people's heads with it. You could, just, you could just be at your work, someone saying, I'm going through this moment at work. And it could just be you just listening into them and actually speaking life into that person's life. Um, there was this moment when I was, um, I think it was a couple of weeks back, when I, I was just going for a run uh, out of Mill Hill Park, and I was just going round and round, um, and, well, I was not going round and round, I was going round the edges uh, uh, of the park, and then I, I, I met this person, and I, and I ran past them, and I ran past them three times, two or three times at the very least. and then. And then all of a sudden, this thought came up to me saying, You need to go and speak to that person. <laughs> and I went, What do you want me to talk to them? I don't even know them. And I don't want to be a weirdo talking to someone when they're peacefully walking. So I said, OK, fine, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do one more round, and then I'm going to see if they're still there. And if they're there, and I'm going I'm to speak to them. Well, and guess what? They were there. So I stopped running just a few, just few meters when I saw her coming. And then I, and I went and just, just spoke to her, saying, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just going to disrupt your day. But can I ask you a question? And they took the, uh, they, they got whatever they had in their ear, And then they were like, oh, yeah, tell me. And I said, do you know God? And then, interestingly, I thought she was going to go, oh, another weirdo. I'm going to run away from her. She actually just paused and thought, hmm, let me just have a think. And it was, it was interesting. She didn't, she didn't run away. Um, there wasn't a moment of fright. And sometimes we could just over, overdo that feeling within us, saying, oh my, I don't want to, I don't want to break someone or disrupt someone's, you know, day to day and sometimes it might just be a just a very blunt question do you know god and it's interesting the response that you get from it and sometimes you might just be politely declined and that's fine sometimes they might engage in a conversation and i think this week we were just having dinner on wednesday or thursday i can't recall now thursday evening and we, we were having dinner, my, son, my wife, and then we've, um, and she was saying, Oh, I really want to just, you know, share something about God at my work. And I went, Oh, that's, that's, really, that's really good. Uh, and mind you, the next day, she rocks up and says, Well, you know what? I just read the whole Bible to say, <laughs> No, not the whole Bible. She read a passage, or she got to share something from the Bible um, to a bunch of people. And that's amazing, because the moment you say, "God, I want the opportunity to speak to someone," he'll just give it. It's just, "Do you have the heart to speak and then he will just give you the opportunity to speak so the the final verse that I just want to read is from first Corinthians chapter sixteen and i'm and I'm done uh first uh, from verse. 13 to 16 and I'm going to read it from the NASB version and it says be on the alert stand firm in the faith act like men and be strong let all that you do be done in love and now I urge you brethren you know the household of Stephanas that they were the first fruits of Achaia that they have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors." If I can request the band up at this moment, please. Um, And this, this verse just really just talks about standing on the alert, standing firm, and actually being in love, and actually working together as a church family, and actually staying united and it also reminds, and Paul also reminding the Corinthians of actually saying, you know what, your leaders, at church. There is power when you submit yourself to your leaders, and you actually, um, and and you pray for them as well. So I feel, like today if there's if there are two things, that I that, if you've not heard anything that I've spoken, but you just you just, if there's two things that you need to take away, okay, these are the two things. Let there be nothing that hinders us from sharing the gospel of God. Whatever that might be, whatever that you carry or your incapabilities or whatever, let there not be anything that, that, that hinders us. And the second one is working together in unity and being subject to one, other, one or another, and also to our leader, the church. So with that, I just, if you could just stand up and, and I'm just going to pray We thank you so much, Lord. We thank you so much, God, because we we find so much joy and gladness in your presence. And just as how that verse just was read earlier about the refuge, you're that safe refuge for us to come and and hide away from the devil from from everything that's thrown at us but at the same time that we will you've equipped us with strength to run ahead and to not fear and God we we thank you so much because you're such a good God and today Lord would you, just, would you just search us? Would you just search us, God? If there's anything that, that hinders us, that, that stops us from, if there's anything that we've been carrying in our hearts, could you just bring that to our minds so that we can just lay that down this morning, God? If there's anything that we've been carrying, Lord, we just want to lay that down. Because we don't want to leave this room carrying what we've carried coming in, God. We want to walk in freedom today, Lord. We want to walk in your freedom that you're so willing to give us, Holy Spirit. We want to soak ourselves in your presence. We want to soak ourselves in your freedom. We want to soak ourselves in, in your love. But also willing carriers, knowing that we, we carry your presence wherever we go so that we can speak life into people as well. Would you just do what only you can do, Lord? You're such a good God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.